something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro. And this week we are doing part three of our four part series here. Where we're trying to find the most famous movie in every single state. This week we are focused all on the South, which I'm excited to get to because it's where I'm from. It's where I grew up and it's where I currently live now. So I feel like a lot of these movies hit home. I'm ready to get into this episode. And also I have a movie review coming up of the brand new Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'll let you know whether or not it's worth the 20 bucks it is to rent at home right now. And then after that, I do want to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who died over the weekend. I was on Twitter on Friday night when I saw the news and didn't really believe it. And I just kind of want to pay tribute to him a little bit, talk about his life and kind of celebrate really the important, iconic figure that he was and the great actor that he was. And just a really sad story. And I want to just have a moment to kind of remember him and talk about him. And how lucky we were to have him. So I'll talk about that too. Got a lot to get to this week. So let's just get right into this episode. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, let's get right into it. Trying to find the most famous movie from every single state. This week we are doing the South, which I'm excited for because it's where I'm from. It's where I live. And there are a lot of states in the South. So we're going to have to get right into this and move through them a little bit quicker. And also kind of break this up into two little segments. So let's waste no time. We're starting off with Delaware. So there weren't that many famous movies from Delaware. And the two biggest ones I found were Fight Club and Empire Records. Now, Fight Club is the more famous movie, but there's not a whole lot of elements of it even being set in Delaware when you watch that movie and even the book that it's based on. So I felt like I had to go with Empire Records being the most famous movie from Delaware based out of an independent record store there. That's what the movie's about. There you go with Delaware. I just think Fight Club has very little references to the state it's from. You have like license plates, a few of like geographical locations, but I just felt like Empire Records 
All right, let's move on now to Maryland, which I was going through my list and a bunch of your tweets. I didn't realize this movie was actually so big to come out of there, but Hairspray was a big one. And then also the Goosebumps movie, which I thought was a little bit underwhelming. I was a big fan of the TV show as a kid, and I was like, oh, they're finally giving it justice and making it into a really good movie. And I just felt like that movie kind of lacked imagination of and creativity that the TV show did. So I was a little let down by that one, but it does take place in Maryland. I think the movie... That really kind of encompasses all things Maryland, which is about two lawyers who are primarily in Washington, D.C. That's where they're based out of. But the entire movie is set in a town in Maryland, and I'm talking about wedding crashers. And I saw a lot of your tweets, too, about this, about, you know, the scenery, the crab cakes, all of that is kind of in this movie as well. So I think wedding crashers, a pretty good depiction of Maryland. And it's also a funny movie. And whether you didn't realize it at the time, think about it now. (laughs) There's a lot of Maryland in that movie. So with Maryland, we're going with Wedding Crashers. Moving on to Virginia, which I think has a pretty clear-cut winner. But I'm going to give some honorable mentions of one you maybe didn't think about, but Pocahontas back in the day was based on Pocahontas and where she lived, which was now Richmond, Virginia. You also have Hidden Figures and Donnie Darko, which I feel aren't as big as the main one to come out of Virginia. And I think without a doubt, it's Remember the Titans, which is based on a real story at the T.C. Williams High School football team that was from the town of Alexandria, Virginia. And I actually did an episode where I fact-checked all the things from this movie. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I took a real deep dive into this movie and what was actually happening at that time and what was shown in the movie and some other things that were just made for the sake of giving it a Hollywood spin. I just felt like this one was easily the most famous movie to be out of Virginia. And it's one that we all probably watched growing up in high school or like middle school. It was You just watch this movie no matter what. It's also really heartfelt and you learn some things in this movie. So we're going with Remember the Titans here. Moving on now to West Virginia. I want to give some honorable mentions first because there's a movie that I really liked called American Ultra that's based out of West Virginia. And... A really underrated movie duo, I feel like, is Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. They did this movie together. They also did a movie called Adventureland together. And for some reason, I really like them on screen together. I think they have really great chemistry. And I just like watching them both. Separately and together is probably my favorite. I don't think a whole lot of people saw this movie, but it's a really great one to come out of West Virginia. Also, honorable mentions, you have Patch Adams with Robin Williams. And then a bunch of you guys on Twitter said, we are Marshall. But the one I had to put as being the most famous movie to come out of West Virginia was the one I saw more tweets about, the one I already had on my list, and it was October Sky. Another movie that you probably watched a lot growing up, whether like in middle school or high school, because it's a great movie that's educational at the same time entertaining. And it takes place in Colwood, West Virginia. You got Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays a guy named Homer, and you don't see a whole lot of characters that aren't in The Simpsons named Homer, was probably one of my favorite things about this movie for some reason. And you know, his dad's working as a coal miner, wants him to be a coal miner, and he wants to pursue rocketry as they say and it takes place in you know 1957 which i like movies set back in the day so a lot of things that this movie has going for it a young jake gyllenhaal who man it's really just crazy to see how many great movies he's been in in his career just in this episode alone i've already mentioned another movie he was in donnie darko which is another cult classic so jake gyllenhaal west virginia let's go with october sky here Moving on now to the Carolinas, let's start first with North Carolina. I saw some people tweeting about Dirty Dancing, and I've researched a lot about Dirty Dancing because I was interested in this movie after watching that episode of the movies that made us on Netflix. 
And this movie actually takes place and is filmed in like two separate locations. One of them happens to be in North Carolina, which I know they do like a festival there where you can go and visit some of the scenes where this movie was filmed. But it doesn't really take entirely place in North Carolina. But I felt like I would mention it here. You also have Cape Fear from back in the day with Robert De Niro, which was a movie I kind of learned about in a reverse way. I saw it parodied on The Simpsons before I actually knew that it was a real movie that existed. But that takes place in North Carolina. Nicholas Sparks, with both of his movies and books, are in the Carolinas. The most famous one probably in North Carolina was A Walk to Remember. And then another 90s movie that we all probably remember and has been kind of parodied and maybe doesn't really hold up over the years, but I Know What You Did Last Summer with Jennifer Love Hewitt. That was set in a town in North Carolina, which I feel is arguably pretty famous. They made a sequel, and at the time, those movies (laughs) made a lot of money. But I feel the movie that holds more true to North Carolina and has more references and is overall just a more beloved movie has to be Bull Durham. Based on the nickname for Durham, North Carolina, came out back in 1988. You got Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins. You got baseball. You got romance. You put them together. You have the most famous movie to come out of North Carolina, going with Bull Durham. Moving on now to South Carolina, one of my favorite movies that is based there would have to be Full Metal Jacket. And I watched this movie when I was like 13 years old. And man, what an intense movie. And probably one you shouldn't watch at 13 years old. I feel like that was a pretty good one. You also have The Patriot with Mel Gibson. And then Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr., which is another really good one and based on a true story. But again, going back to the world of Nicholas Sparks, a lot of his movies and books are all kind of based out of the Carolinas. But the one to come out of South Carolina that you can't really argue against would have to be The Notebook. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, romance movie. You can actually go see some of the locations in Charleston, South Carolina. So I think that's pretty cool too. So let's go with The Notebook for being the most famous movie out of South Carolina. Moving on now to Georgia, which Georgia is an interesting state because they actually film a lot of movies in Georgia that aren't set in Georgia. Like a lot of the Avengers stuff is filmed in Georgia. The Hunger Games had some scenes filmed in Georgia. Even TV shows like The Walking Dead are filmed in Georgia. So sometimes when things take place in like some kind of scenery far, far away, it's actually you're watching Georgia. But as far as movies actually based in Georgia, which is what we're looking at, You have movies like all the Medea movies. You have Deliverance. And one of my most recent favorite movies is a movie called Baby Driver, which took place in Georgia. And you also have Gone with the Wind, which I feel doesn't really hold up over the test of time. It's a really old movie, too. Outdated. Even though it's based in Georgia, I feel like the movie I have to go with is Smokey and the Bandit. I know it does have some road trip elements, but a majority of the movie does take place and was filmed in Atlanta. And Burt Reynolds, the icon that he is, felt he had to go somewhere on the list. So we're going with Smokey on the Bandit, most famous movie out of Georgia. All right, let's move on now to Florida. We'll do one more state before we take a break here because there's a lot more states still to cover here in the South. And when I got to Florida, I felt like I had my clear-cut winner. There was one movie that I just felt is the most famous and also just shows a lot of Florida, Miami in particular. But then when I kind of researched Florida a little bit more, I'm like, oh, man, there are a lot more movies than you think that are based in Florida. So a lot of honorable mentions here. We have Caddyshack, Magic Mike, Apollo 13, Bad Boys, and then a bunch of you guys on Twitter said Edward Scissorhands, which I didn't really think about, but it does take place there. I feel like those are all pretty big movies, too, but I still felt true to the movie I thought and had in my head, and it is Scarface, so... 
Although this movie was actually shot in Los Angeles, it's all taking place in Miami. And they were even so worried when this movie came out that it would hinder tourism because it kind of shows the underbelly of Miami and kind of all the bad things that go on. And they were worried when this movie came out of like, man, if people see all this crime and violence that are going on and the way it's depicted in this movie, they won't want to come here, which I felt you kind of get that a little bit. But it also just made Miami look pretty cool, too. So you have Al Pacino in arguably his most famous role of all time. And there's just so many things about this movie that I love. I love the hardcore, grotesque violence. If you're going to go be violent in a movie, I like that they really go for it in this movie. And I think this is one of the first movies that I was like, I can't really believe that they're actually doing that and showing that. And it's just the classic rise and fall of somebody who gets power and then just kind of obliterates himself with it. No pun intended. You have the iconic locations, you have the iconic sets, and one of the most famous movie quotes of all time, say hello to my little friend. A really great classic movie. So with Florida, we're going with Scarface. All right, that's going to do it with this first segment. Had a lot of states in that one, so we're going to come back and get into the state that I live in, Tennessee, and the state that I'm from, Texas. So quick break right here, and we'll come back with more. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, 
and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, back here for a second segment running through the other states here in the South. A movie I saw a lot reference from Kentucky was Coal Miner's Daughter, which was an older movie and came out in 1980. And it's the story of Loretta Lynn, who was born in Kentucky. And I feel like she's more famous as being a musician, of course, in country music. I don't feel like the movie ranks up there as being the most famous movie out of the state because I don't think it's a movie where you really reference a whole lot. You don't hear a lot about it unless you're a big country music fan and know Loretta Lynn. And then looking at other movies out of Kentucky, I realized, well, they do make a lot of movies about horses and a really lot of like old classic movies too. But I feel like the one movie that embodies Kentucky, because not only does it have horses, it's based on a story out of Lexington and it's a movie we probably all know and would recognize the story and it's Seabiscuit. The 2003 version got nominated for like seven Academy Awards and they also filmed a lot of it in Kentucky. So we're going with Seabiscuit here. All right, everybody good. Let's move on to Tennessee, which is where I live right now. Currently been in Nashville, Tennessee for about four years now. And I feel like there are two big movies to come out of here. And obviously they're both music movies. Nashville being known for country music, you have Walk the Line. But I don't feel like Walk the Line really shows Tennessee and shows Nashville. I mean, it greatly focuses on the life of Johnny Cash his, from his early life as a kid you know, him growing up and being in Memphis and then moving here later in Nashville. But I don't even feel like they reference a whole lot of Nashville when he's actually here. And then a lot of it is him on the road. So while a lot of it is taking place while he's spending time living in Tennessee, I didn't feel like that one was enough Tennessee for me. And the other music movie, which is based in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's a really great kind of depiction of the more real side of Memphis. And... And with this one, I felt it was just a better representation, not only of the city of Memphis, but just it had more Tennessee in it for me. And I feel it's also a really big famous movie to have all, you know, the Grammy and Oscar nominations that came out with this one. And I'm talking about Hustle and Flow, because not only that, you have the song that came out from it was from the Three Six Mafia based in Memphis, Tennessee. And I think Hard Out Here for a Pimp is one of the greatest uh, soundtrack songs of all time. One of my favorites, at least. So we're going with Hustle and Flow here. And that's coming from a guy who now lives in Tennessee. Moving on now to Mississippi. You have a few picks here to go with. Um, the Help, A Time to Kill, which is one that a lot of you guys on Twitter really seem to like. But I feel like the most famous movie here was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou with George Clooney. And again, another theme here I'm seeing with all the movies in the South is the soundtracks that go along with it. And this one actually has some Grammy nominations too. And I think that was really important to this movie and also just showing mississippi through the music so we're going with oh brother where art thou as the most famous one here all right moving on now to alabama and without a doubt with this one i'm not even going to go through some honorable mentions to start with because easily the most famous movie is forrest gump like i think of alabama and i think of you know forrest gump tom hanks yelling out the line of alabama like that that's what comes to my head automatically when i think about alabama in any kind of movie which the thing about this one it actually starts taking place in savannah georgia where he's sitting at the bus stop and that's where it kind of starts and you can actually go visit that bench and see that scene where it takes place in georgia but the entire movie and the story of forrest gump is all about alabama I mean, he plays on the football team and there's just so much Alabama in this movie that it really fits better and is mostly set in Alabama. 
But you also have movies like Fried Green Tomatoes, Selma, Sweet Home Alabama, and Big Fish, all to come out of here. So there's some great movies here, but it's the biggest Tom Hanks movie. And I think it's on a bunch of you know people's lists when they list their favorite movies. So easily it goes to Forrest Gump. Moving on over to Oklahoma, which I think also comes down to two movies and one honorable mention, which is Footloose, which he actually relocates to Oklahoma in the movie. But then you have the movie, which is a musical named after the state of Oklahoma. And then you have my favorite movie to come out of Oklahoma, which is Twister. So you got to determine which one is more famous. Now, Oklahoma is a very old movie, and it's one I hear just getting referenced more so than I know for being the actual movie. And not going to lie, I actually haven't seen Oklahoma, but I'm aware of it. It's just a movie that I would never go back and watch an old musical. And I didn't want to be biased on this pick, but I even have the tweets to back it up. I'm going with the movie Twister, one of my favorite movies of all time, a movie from the disaster genre, which I feel is an underrated genre. I think one of the greatest movies that they never made a sequel to. And they also filmed a lot of this movie in Oklahoma. You can even go in to the actual town that they filmed this movie in. And I also had actor Sean Whalen on this podcast who was in the movie talking about Oklahoma. So I know it's hard for me to say it again because I love this movie so much, but we're going with Twister here. All right, let's go down to Louisiana, which I actually just watched and was talking about Project Power, which I felt had so much of New Orleans in that movie that I really liked the way they did that. Like, there was no way that movie could not have been in any other city. Like, they had so much of that movie. So if you haven't seen that on Netflix yet and you're from Louisiana or you wanted to see something that I felt like embodies a city unlike I've seen in any other recent movie, that's a really great one. But again, that's very new. Couldn't be the most famous movie out of there, but I did enjoy that one and how they depicted Louisiana. I just had to mention it here. You also have a Disney movie to come out of Louisiana, The Princess and the Frog, which I felt was a very important Disney movie and also a movie that has music in it. You have a streetcar named Desire, 12 Years a Slave, Deepwater Horizon, which I felt was a good movie that got some pretty not so great reviews, but I did enjoy learning a little bit more of that in that movie. And then the two big ones that would kind of battle it out at the very top would have to be The Green Mile and Steel Magnolias. And if I had to decide between the two, which is what we're doing on this episode, I'm going to have to go with Steel Magnolias. I feel like you get that small town vibe in this one. And this movie not only is a great depiction of Louisiana, but it also just embodies a lot of what the South is about and what it was like in the 80s. It's also a movie that'll make you laugh and cry. And the cast in this one is just amazing from Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Julia Roberts. There's so many people in this movie. And going back to my theory, if people were making a list of their favorite movies, I would just can envision a lot of people putting this one on their list. So we're going with Steel Magnolias from Louisiana. All right, two more states left in the South. Let's go over now to Arkansas, which a movie this year actually came out with Vince Vaughn and Liam Hemsworth named Arkansas. But when it comes to the most famous movies, I went to you guys on Twitter a lot for this one because there actually a whole because there actually aren't a whole lot of movies to be based out of Arkansas. The two most famous, I got it down to Mud with Matthew McConaughey, but I'm going to go with the one that really kind of kickstarted and defined Billy Bob Thornton's career and it is Sling Blade. And although he didn't win, he was nominated for best actor after this performance in this movie. It's probably his best role, even though I love him in Bad Santa as well. But this is just his career-defining role. And it was set in Arkansas and filmed in Benton, Arkansas. So we're going with Sling Blade for Arkansas. All right, and I left Texas for last because Texas is my home state. I grew up in Waxahachie, Texas, which is about 30 minutes south out of Dallas. 
And I loved watching a movie based out of the state I lived in, mainly because I wanted to see what they showcased and how they chose and would kind of define what Texans are all about. Because a lot of people, when you think of Texas, you think of people riding, you know, horses to work and stuff like that. But Texas is not like that at all. Very occasionally you'll see that actually happening. And it's usually a very just kind of novelty thing. We don't actually do that in Texas. So I have a lot of movies on my list. I'm going to start with some honorable mentions here because one of my favorite directors is Robert Rodriguez. And I love just how he puts Texas into all of his movies. In particular, uh, when he did the movie Machete, like that movie has so much of Austin, Texas in it. And it was just fun to watch because I remember when I was living there and then like shutting off parts of the city to film that movie and then going to see that movie and be like, oh, I know where they filmed that. Like he always just does a great job of representing that he is from Texas and showing it in a cool way. But I don't feel like any of his movies are super famous. They just kind of mean a lot to me. Running through some others before I get to some bigger ones. You have uh, Dallas Buyers Club, Friday Night Lights, Boyhood, The Alamo, Bernie, which is based on a true story. Urban Cowboy, which is a really big one with John Travolta. One of my favorite movies is the kid Selena about, you know, the singer Selena. That's all about her growing up here. And, you know, a lot of it's filmed and based in Corpus Christi. And that was a movie important to me, not only because I was impacted by her music as a kid like I think that was like the first kind of musical act that I identified with because she was born in Texas and had that kind of split of between of you know being a Mexican-American and Americans thinking she's not American enough Mexicans thinking she wasn't Mexican enough and I feel like that's kind of the battle I've had my entire life and it was shown in that movie of her you know not speaking Spanish but singing in Spanish and going to Mexico and all that stuff and I felt it really represented and showed Texas in a cool way, too. And for me, growing up in Texas, she was an icon. And I love that movie. But I also feel that's kind of because I'm from Texas that it feels like it's such a famous movie. So I didn't go with that one here. Another one of my favorite movies is No Country for Old Men, which is filmed out in West Texas, out by a small town called Marfa. And that is like a subtly Texan movie. Because it does show that kind of West Texas vibe. And it has like that sinister underlying that it is in Texas. And it does it in such a cool, subtle way that I really enjoyed. And then you have what I think are the big two, which the first one I'll get to that I didn't go with was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was mostly filmed around Round Rock in Austin, Texas, way back in the day. And it made like a bunch of people kind of question whether or not this was actually a true story. And I remember growing up thinking like, oh, they made a movie based on something that actually happened and it made it more terrifying, which played a big part into, I guess, a bunch of people watching this movie and thinking, oh, man, did this actually go down? And there wasn't actually a Leatherface who would go around murdering people with a chainsaw. It was based on like a classic, I don't want to say classic, like I'm glorifying this guy, but it was a serial killer who did do a string of murders. But it wasn't entirely like a true story, even though they kind of made it seem like this actually went down in Texas. But again, you think of Texas, you think of a movie with the state in the name. And they've also made a bunch of these, but I didn't feel like it was really a representation of Texas like some of these other movies I mentioned, even though it is such a famous of a movie. The movie I am going with is Dazed and Confused, which has Matthew McConaughey in it, who is kind of the unspoken mascot of the state of Texas, whether it's his love for UT football or just all the movies he's in where he represents Texas. And I lived in Austin for about seven years. I made it a point to when I lived there to go see some of the places where this movie was filmed. And I feel like this movie has a lot of Austin in it. It has a lot of Texas in it without being like a cowboy movie. And Matthew McConaughey's iconic, all right, all right, all right line comes from this movie, which is he is just known for saying all the time and is being one of the most famous Texans 
an A-list movie star and a really classic just indie movie based in Austin, Texas. You have to go with Daisy and Confused here. That's coming from a Texan. So, all right, we did it. We made it through the South. Next week, I'll be wrapping up the series, going through all the movies in the West. So if you want to get your picks in for that, just tweet me at Mike Distro on Twitter. All right, let's get into a movie review now. Going to be talking about Bill and Ted Face the Music. And in preparation for this movie, which I was excited for, I went back and watched the two original Bill and Ted's to kind of put me in that feeling again, kind of feel nostalgic a bit. That way, going into this one, I would remember some of the characters a little bit better, remember the plot lines, and then kind of feel like, okay, is this a good jumping off point for this movie? Because it's come so long after the original one, you wonder... When they do these kind of reboots, whether it even is going to matter, whether it's going to be any good. So the movie costs $20 to rent. And I will leave here letting you know whether or not it is worth those $20. I'll tell you a little bit about what the movie was about, the plot line. But I won't ruin any of it if you want to go check it out yourself because I'll never ruin a movie on here. It's just not cool to do. And anyway, before I get into that, here's just a little bit of Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Alright, so let's talk about this movie. So right off the bat, I felt like I was right there back in the original one, but it didn't feel cheesy in any way, and it also didn't feel like, oh, they're just doing the same old thing again. I like the storyline they brought into this movie. So if you don't know or don't really know what this plotline is about, it's essentially Bill and Ted in present day now. And they got together and married the girls from the past that they brought back, the princesses. And now they have a daughter each. So they're each named after themselves. So it's Billy and Stia who are essentially their kids. And then they married the princesses that they got way back in the original one. And they're now married to them. So that's kind of where this one takes place. And they're traveling through time again, trying to find their future selves who have created the song and therefore getting that song, bringing it back and saving the world. So that's what this movie's about. And what I really liked is it shows them kind of struggling with getting older and it shows them struggling with not being as successful anymore because it addresses how after their music career took off early in the 90s that they never really had success after that. And you kind of see their downfall. You see them at their lowest, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing to put into this movie. And I also just really like the playoff of them having kids now who are exactly like them, but also girls, which I think is funny. And I think that storyline alone doesn't feel like some just kind of cheesy reboot. It has the actual substance here where you're actually looking forward to what these characters are going to do and you're interested in the story at the same time feeling nostalgic like you're getting what you got and love of the original but also just kind of bringing new life into it like they could even continue doing bill and ted movies with their daughters so i really enjoy that part of it and then also the other cast members that they kind of brought back from the original movies like ted's original dad is back bill's mom who we had the hot for in the, in the first movie is back i like that they did that you also have Death coming back from part two. And then, of course, they had to re-put in some people because George Carlin died a while back. And it can't be in this movie, but they make his character have a daughter in this, which I think actually was a pretty cool touch that they addressed that. And they even found a way to work in like a CGI George Carlin in it, too, which was also cool. They have some cameos in there. The music is still fun. There were just a lot of things I enjoyed about this movie. And while it's not some kind of groundbreaking approach, it's nothing like you're going to watch and be like blown away by. It's just a fun movie. Like I need this in my life right now to see something familiar, but also not 
just feel like a cash grab, which a lot of these reboots just feel like time after time. There was something here. And after I watched it, I was like, that was worth the 20 bucks. If I would have saw it in theaters, I would have loved it even more. But there was nothing in this movie I felt they would have done differently. Like everything about it, I enjoyed. I got some good laughs out of it. And it also kind of made me feel oddly emotional in ways when some of the scenes with like their daughters and what ends up happening towards the end of the movie, like I won't ruin it, but I was like, man, this actually has an emotional feeling to me right now. And I don't know if it's because of what's kind of going on right now, which I'm going to talk about after this segment. But something about watching those scenes and seeing the story play out, it kind of made me feel like I was reliving something, I guess, but also kind of seeing something special, too. So I think it had a bunch going for it that I wasn't expecting from a Bill and Ted movie. So I would give it if you're already a fan of the Bill and Ted movies, which I was, you would easily give this a 4.5 out of five phone booths. It's it's just it's good. Like, it's good. And it gives you everything you want. And I think that's who's going to watch this movie is everybody who is a fan of the originals. If I don't know if it would transfer if you've never seen the original movies and you were only hopping into this one you may not get it so much. Like some of the references maybe wouldn't hit the same way. So I think it is a little bit of an investment if you have to go back and watch the first two. But I also think with that storyline with their daughters, it may hold a little bit to its own. But a lot of it is just nostalgia of seeing a grown Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Like they've aged a little bit and it's still, but it's still funny when they do this character. So I really liked it. I think it's worth the $20, especially if you're a Bill and Ted fan and you're looking for something New to watch at home to kind of give you that feeling like you're back in the movie theater. I think this is a pretty good investment to spring the 20 bucks on. All right, so there you go. That's what I think about the new Bill and Ted. All right, so it was really sad news that happened over the weekend. I was on Twitter on Friday night, and I saw that Chadwick Boseman died. And I didn't believe it. Like, I looked at the tweet, and it, I couldn't really process it in my head because I saw his name, and then I saw it said that he passed away. And I was like it has to be somebody different. Like somebody else has that name or I'm reading it wrong or it's just a hoax at the moment. And that's what I was just kind of processing in my head. And then I start clicking around and I see the actual Instagram post come from his account, you know, saying everything and confirming the death that he had colon cancer. And then I just kind of went into reading what happened because I, I think like you who probably saw this over the weekend too, didn't even know he had colon cancer let alone for four years and never got out to the media. And he went on to do all these amazing roles while he was battling that. And we had no idea, like no idea. Like you, over everything that I've read from this, just the fact that he did all of these movies and did all these things throughout his career where he's battling this without anybody knowing was heartbreaking and just shows how amazing of a person he was how amazing of an actor he was and that he in himself, even though he portrayed and played a superhero, like he had superhero qualities inside him to be able to do this. Like I can only imagine how hard it was to do a movie so demanding like Black Panther to be in all of those Avengers movies while you're battling this. Like that's an insane thing to wrap your head around and how it just doesn't get out into the media was just also crazy. But then you think about his career and all the movies he's done and how impactful he's been. You know, he was Jackie Robinson in 42. He portrayed James Brown. And then he was Thurgood Marshall in the movie Marshall. And just how important he was to people to see, like, all the actors and just parents of people, like, posting messages over the weekend was just kind of crazy to see just how 
his life and his work has impacted everybody so much. And, you know, he did all these movies, but it was, you know, Black Panther, which made him a star, like the superstar that he was. And just to see how important that movie was when it came out for people to have somebody who finally looked like them portray a superhero. And for that movie, not only to do so well at the box office, but also get like the recognition it deserved with the Oscar nominations and to be like above being just a superhero movie was a well received movie from critics and kind of transcended anything else in the Marvel universe. And it was because of his performance and because of what that movie meant to people and the impact it had is why that movie was so important. And maybe you saw the video they got posted back around, which was uh, from Jimmy Fallon show where he's standing behind and listening in on these people talking to his movie poster of Black Panther and telling the poster how impactful his character was and how much his performance meant to them to, you know, be represented in a superhero movie. And then he comes out and surprises them. <laughs> that video made me emotional. It was cool just to have that moment and to have that kind of real life connection with just, just the superhero character. And, and it's not just that. And I think that's also why I love movies so much and especially superhero movies, because it goes beyond just going to see something entertaining and, you know, a superhero movie taking away your problems for the two and a half hours that you watch it. It's also for the first time ever, a movie like Black Panther having something you can identify with. And that means a lot to a lot of kids out there right now who have seen just characters who don't look like them on the big screen and to finally have somebody you can rally behind and be like, yeah, that, that could be me. Like I could be somebody who has no limits. I could get to that level on my own because that guy looks like me. I want to be like that. I want to be as strong as Black Panther. So this was a tough one. It was a tough one to see. It was a tough one to read about. And I saw that on Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning. I watched the new Bill and Ted to kind of make me feel happy again. I think that's also why that movie made me a little bit emotional. But then I just started watching Black Panther to, you know, relive that again and see his performance. And I was just moved again. And it probably hit differently just because of what that movie's about and how like the start of it is kind of so important now to go back and watch. So I just want to take a moment, pay tribute to him, pay tribute to his career. I know that we'll miss seeing him on the big screen. And even though in the sadness that he is gone, I think we can find a little bit of joy of just how impactful his character was and how much he meant to people portraying Black Panther, portraying King T'Challa. And that movie will live on forever and we can forever watch that and remember him. So yeah, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. And I'm just going to leave you with one of these. For me, as the, as the mother of a young son, um, my son's childhood has been defined by Barack Obama and now Black Panther, so thank you. Hey, that's way too much praise for <laughs> Barack Obama. No, 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 Black no, 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 You are gorgeous. Gorgeous family. In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where you can run forever. Wakanda forever! 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.